I think God is kind and God is generous and God is loving and God is faithful and God is. God is. Because that's what the scriptures teach. Yay. So I let me find all of my stuff here. Okay, there we go. Finding most of it. Okay. Should I do that or not? <clears throat> I'm talking to myself. We have a great high priest, Hebrews, not the coffee, chapter 4, 14 through 16, I believe it is, I hope I got it right. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is God's word. Father, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is right. We thank you that your word is just. You're righteous altogether. We thank you, God, that you are dependable when we are not. We thank you, God, that you hold all things together by your word, in the palm of your hands, whichever way we want to see it or say it, you hold all things together. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that, that covers our transgressions. We thank you, Lord, that our confessions wipe away our sins. Thank you, God, that, that you hear us. We thank you, God, that through Christ Jesus you love us. We thank you, God, that there is no God like you. That from the east or from the west, there is no God beside you. That you are the Lord and there is none else. And so that gives us a place of dependence, a place of hope, a place of joy, a place of excitement a place of satisfaction. We thank you, God, that we can hide in you. We mostly thank you for your son, Jesus, who has sacrificed himself for us. Amen. So I made the statement, we have a great high priest. So how deeply do you believe that? question if you believe that let him be Lord not sometime Lord not sometime God but if we have a great high priest let him be high priest because he'll, he'll make a way for you he'll make a way for us so I want you to ask God this question for the next 40 days what do you want not like, what do you want? But like, what do you want? Because we're always asking God for stuff. If God said, if I had a need, I wouldn't even tell you. 
So I'm not asking you to, to pray something that he doesn't have. But it's like a, a fast for the next 40 days of, God, what do you want? Just get up and that's your prayer. That's the easy prayer. Not so easy, but it's easy to say. God, what do you want? Try that for 40 days. See what happens. And give them time to speak to you. He might speak to you every day. He might speak to you on the last day. So Philippians, it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. And I, 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 I have an example of that, too. It's like my hip replacement. Eight, almost maybe nine weeks ago, May the 20th, I had my first hip replacement, total hip replacement. And it was so good. Who, who, who thinks like that, right? Somebody just cut you open and put some stuff in your body, and it was good, you know. But it, gave me, it made me think I pressed, I'm pressing toward the next hip replacement. I have, a, I have a goal set, a mark set. And so I prepare for that mark, and I'm pressing towards it. And we can do that with so many things. Set a mark and press towards it. This the ultimate mark is I press toward the mark of the, hall, of the high calling in Christ Jesus, Philippians, what I just read. The mark is the 22nd of July, this coming Friday. I have, don't have any idea what the time is, so call me Thursday and let me know when I'm supposed to show up. <laughs> but I will be there. I tried to get them to do both at the same time, but they wouldn't. One is done, that is good for the last eight weeks, yes. I press towards the prize. First Corinthians one twenty-three, but we preach Christ Jesus and him crucified. We preach so many things, but how often I'm gonna limp over here, I better stay still. <laughs> how often do we preach Christ Jesus and him crucified? There's a lot of things going on, but the most important thing that Paul said I could think of is I preach Christ Jesus and him crucified. Talks about the problems that could cause to Jews and to Gentiles, but that's what he—that's what he does. He—he he preaches that. Do we preach it enough? I guess would be the question. Do we preach it enough? I had—I—I I did three. I'm going three different places because I didn't know how much time I would have. So I'm going to try to get through all three of them. I was thinking about Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and the three, the, the three um, young men. I, I believe they're young men. Um, and their visitor, chapter 3, Daniel talks about how to get thrown into the, the fiery furnace. It does not say this. I'm doing a lot of speculation. I'll be doing a lot of speculating today because I think you, the, the Bible tells us a whole bunch of exact stuff, but, but they obviously... There's stuff happening all around all the time when, when something when when it, when something's said in the in the word, there's there's a whole picture of stuff going on that the Bible doesn't want to be bothered with or take the time to be to be bothered with, but there's stuff going on, just like our stuff goes on in our day every day, but we might just hear the specifics of it, not the whole thing. So I'm gonna do a lot of speculating. I'm, you guys have to give me some leeway um, to to make stuff up. Because um, I'm gonna make some stuff up today. <laughs> 
So it's three young men, obviously, and a visitor. Daniel is... My Bibles are in storage. And so I grab one off the back of the pew, and I have a clue <laughs> where the middle of the Bible is or anything. Daniel chapter 3. I have a general idea. The deal with King Nebuchadnezzar, a sadistic, crazy man who happened to be very powerful, um, liked to burn stuff up. But there were three young men. It does not say it, but I believe that, and, and the visitor. This visitor, and this visitor was probably, because I'm going to get straight to the fire. Um, fire was so hot, right, that, um, that when, they, when they didn't bow down to, to King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, make it seven times hotter. We're going to really torch these guys. Make it seven times hotter. So they made it seven times hotter. It was so hot that these valiant men that, that worked for King Nebuchadnezzar were under his rule. As they threw these three young men in there, they um, burned up too. And, and the three young men should have burned up too, but they didn't. But the, there's a, there was a, a fourth person in there, right? And he said, he looked kind of like a god. And he called him a, a son of God, which I, I, I think we could probably take some liberties here and say it probably was the son of God. Uh, some translations say it was an angel, uh, but something special was going on. The point that I think that I'm trying to make is that I think this man was in the fire before they got there. And I think he stayed after they left. So I guess what I'm trying to say is when you get in the fire, expect God to already be there. And expect him to hang around afterwards to clean up. And don't expect him to get burnt. Don't expect him to struggle with it. Because those are his promises. His promise is that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. In Isaiah, I think is in chapter, I don't know, chapter 2 or something like that too. And it talks about when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. I thought when you go through the fires, he'll be with you. You know, I think you can translate to that to a lot of things. When you go through a struggling situation at your job, he'll be with you. you know, when you go through a struggling situation where the police pull you over, <laughs> he'll be with you. Whatever the situation is, if you go through whatever that fire is, God will go through with you. God will be there to help you. That's not my fault. He'll be there. That's his, that's his promise. That's his responsibility is to be there with you. There we go. The Lord is there to fight your battles. That's how we fight our battles. You know, see that little song. But the Lord is also there to win your battles. He's not just fighting. He's fighting to win. You know, see those commercials on TV, you know, those all those injury commercials. There's like a gazillion of them on TV. And I didn't notice that many injury lawyers. So like, we'll fight for you. It's like Jesus is like, I'm going to win for you. Because <laughs> you know, that's, his, that's his attitude. They can fight all they want. Jesus is going to win. Jesus is going to win. He's going to fight for us before. And he's, gonna, he's already fought for us before, and he's fighting for us now, and he'll fight for us afterwards. We, if we find ourselves in whatever situation it is, Jesus is there. Whatever that fiery furnace is, Jesus is there. Isaiah 43, 2 is what it is. 
Isaiah 43, 2, it says when you pass through the waters or whatever it is. But there's other times when fire is there too. I just want to say something else. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge, I know we have to be careful with that knowledge thing. You want to get too much knowledge and stuff like that. But knowledge of the holy is understanding. Because you have to have that fear. You have to have that knowledge. You have to have that understanding. You can't just skate through it. It's, it's important to know God rightly. Not just to know of him or, or go by what somebody else said. If I say something up here to stupid, open up the scripture and check it out. Say, that doesn't sound right. You know, Pastor Greg just says some really stupid stuff up there. You know, search, be a Berean, search it out. I always say it all the time. Be a Berean, search it out. See if I'm telling you the truth. See if I'm making sense because that's important. If you don't think it's making sense, if you have a uh, in your spirit, go check it out. I might be telling you the truth. I'm, you know, I, might have, I might have missed it a little bit. I'm not trying to lie to you on purpose or anything like that. But sometimes some, we get a little bit skewed sometimes. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9, 10, I've been quoting that since... I don't know, January of 1976, maybe, somewhere around in there. I read a proverb every day. Every day I read Proverbs for three straight years, every day. Didn't miss. Just read Proverbs every day. Very important. It is so important to have a right knowledge of God. That is what leads to a relationship with him. You can't, you can't skip over it. You want to have a good relationship with God, you need to know him. You, you want to know the person that you're having a relationship with. It is not going to be an all-knowing type of knowledge because we don't know everything. And sometimes we get a little bit skewed, if you want to call it like, if you want to say it like that. But it's, it's what you do to understand him to be correct. You have to have a knowledge of God. You're not going to get a knowledge from, of God from President Biden. I'm not picking on President Biden. I'm just saying you're not going to get a knowledge of God from President Biden. You're not going to get a knowledge of God from whoever it is. You're going to get a knowledge of God from this book right here. If, if you weren't going to get a knowledge of God from this book, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have taken the X amount of years to write it. And to put some really good stuff in, some fun stuff in it, some blow your mind stuff in it about who he is. Just some really cool stuff about who God is, how he acts, how he moves, how he breathes, what he wants, what he doesn't want. Like I said before, if you, I said pray for, you know, 40 days. What do you want, God? Well, God doesn't have a need. He certainly doesn't need me. That's not what I'm asking you to do. God, he said, I wouldn't even tell you, Greg, <laughs> if I did have a need. I wouldn't tell you. What are you going to do for me? It's not about that. That will take some studying of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and letting God put it into a practical application in our lives. I said before, I think God's a very practical being. Sometimes he has to get impractical in a sense. Sometimes he has to get his point across in maybe a not practical way. But for the most part, I think God is very practical. And I think we can approach him boldly but practically. 
And this is, to, uh, this is how we fight our battles, through Scripture, through knowing what the Scripture says, through understanding as much as possible what the Scripture says. Get yourself some helps. You know, they've got, they got concordances. They've got um, all kinds of things that, that help you understand the Scriptures. Because men have been studying the Scriptures for centuries to figure out what it means, to understand the Hebrew, to understand the Hebrew at that time, to under- those things are there. They're there for you. The understanding comes before and leads to emotion and intimacy. But before you can get to that emotion and intimacy and stuff like that, you've got to get through the understanding of who is God. What is he revealing to me? And now I can be intimate. I needed to get to know Catherine before I could become intimate and all of those other things that go along with it. We had to get to know each other, knowledge of each other. Those three men knew the God of the Hebrews and acted on what they knew, which is proved by the statements to the king, whether you um, basically kill us or not, whether God delivers us from the fire or not, we're still going to serve God. Because God doesn't always deliver us from the fire. He doesn't always deliver us, but he's always there with us. He's always there with us. That you can count on. Ouch, ooh, that's hot. That's, oh, ow, oh, 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 oh. I shouldn't be doing that. But. <laughs> but God's there with me going, ooh, ah. You know, he's, he's, he's got me covered. He's got me covered. Those three men knew the God of the Hebrews and acted on what they knew, which is proved by their statements to the king in Daniel 3, 16 through 18. They hoped that God would fight their battle. And if he did not show up, it was okay. It was okay with them if he didn't show up. Because sometimes God does not show up according to your plans and your desires. Because we say, your kingdom come. His kingdom. Not your kingdom, but his kingdom come. And the next statement is, your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And that's how it works. It works like that. Guess how much percentage of the time? Not 99.9% of the time. It works like that 100% of the time. God does not compromise his will. God does not compromise his kingdom. It's his kingdom. He does with it what he wants. When he wants, how he wants. It's his will. He does with it what he wants. When he wants, how he wants. Because it belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything within it. I'm convinced that the most important part of the ministry of Jesus was love. He did a lot of things. A deep emotional love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, which resulted in the ability to heal humanity. I could be wrong in this. I don't know. But I think a lot of times the reason why we don't 
see healings and things like that because we're not intimate with the person we're praying for. We go, oh, let's just pray for him and let's get on out of here. You know, but Jesus, every, every person he ran into that he healed, he became intimate with them. He stopped and had a conversation with them. He, t- he said he called them intimate words and intimate names. You know, when he, when I think Zarius or Z- um, the, the, temp- the guy who was a temple official and his daughter was Jarius? Jarius. This is coming to the top of my head. So, When he got to that little girl, he said, sweetie. You know, in the Bible, he says little girl. But that's not the translation. That's not what it says. He says, sweetie or honey or dear or love. That's how he spoke to her. That's how intimate he was with this lady, with this little girl. He just, he, his love was just like, I'm coming to get you. And sometimes we're just so haphazard about it. It's like, oh yeah, let's just pray for this person. I don't. I want to see the. I want to. I want to see the. I want to see the healing. I, I. Yeah, I saw the healing. Isn't that cool? They, they got healed. Isn't that cool? Jesus never went around bragging about his healings. He never told anybody about his healings. He would tell people to shut up. Don't tell anybody about my healings. He would tell people go show the 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 the, the priest or whatever and um and 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 give a, and give an offering for your healing. No, but he, Jesus go, hey, guys, guess what? I just made a man see who was blind. I mean, other people saw it and reported, but Jesus wasn't running around bragging about what he did. He didn't have to because Jesus knew who he was. And so he didn't have to do that because Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have to do that because Jesus knew who he was. And we struggle with who we are. And so when it's time to... I'll say lay hands on people, but Jesus didn't really lay hands on people that much either. He healed people from across the room. You know, he just did it. Because Jesus knew who he was. The most important thing is Jesus, Jesus just deep and emotional love, just like the Father's. It was, it's like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only. It's not that kind of, it's not, God so loved his world. He so loved his world. He so loved the crook. He so loved the prostitute. He so loved the hoe. He so loved the homosexual. He so loved, he so loved, he so loved, he so loved. He so loved that he asked his son, sacrifice yourself for that which I love. He so loved. This love resulted in the ability to heal humanity, which he, Jesus, did often and accomplished so many other things. The Bible said, if I could write down all the things that, that Jesus did, all the books in the world wouldn't contain them. But nobody talks about them, a lot of them. We don't know what they were, but they were. Which takes me to Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. This is about the lame guy. I, I, I might have time to read that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just in case you don't know. Evidently, I don't know. And this is God's word. Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. 
And again, he entered Capernaum after some time, and it was heard that he was in the house. And I believe that was, it was his house. Um, some translations talk about it being his house. And so people, when they, every time Jesus showed up, and I was thinking about this. When I show up, nobody runs all over the place to get to me. <laughs> but, when, but when Jesus shows up, they just, you know, we got to get close to this guy. We got to hear what he has to say. So Jesus is at his house, probably chillaxing, taking a break, having a tea or something. I don't know. And um, so speculation. I wouldn't. I don't know. And so there's so many people in this house that nobody else can get in. And so these four or five guys, five men, <laughs> and here I'm really speculating, I'm saying these goofballs, these, these party animals, these, these guys, um, here that Jesus is there too, and they got a friend who is um, paralyzed. More than likely, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm, he wasn't paralyzed all of his life. Now, maybe we're out partying one night, and then he tripped over a mule or something or a donkey or something and, and, and landed on his head and paralyzed himself. I don't know. I'm speculating. But anyhow, these guys loved each other. The point, of, the point I'm getting at, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and the bad Negro, <laughs> they loved each other too. I really believe that. I mean, these guys had this bond. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> my, son's, my son's got their heads down and they're like, You never heard that before? <laughs> Those guys loved each other. I mean, they, these guys hung out together. You know, these, these four, these five guys, they hung out together. <laughs> and they loved each other. I just know these guys had this bond. Me and my buddies used to hang out. We used to do stupid stuff all the time. I'm surprised I'm still here. Um, we just do stupid stuff. But they, they thought, we're taking this guy over, and we know Jesus is in here. We heard about Jesus. You know, maybe, we, maybe our, our hangover's over, whatever. I don't know. Let's get our friend over there. Let's take him over there, and let's, and let's get But they can't get in. And so what do they do? They're, they're determined to get up there and, and, and have their friend healed. So what do they do? They go up on the top of, I believe it's Jesus' house, and they start digging a hole in this roof. Imagine somebody busting a hole in there. We call the police. And so they're, they're, they're you know, you, Jesus is talking. I know you can hear the noise. He's got to hear the noise. He's got to hear that noise. And all of a sudden, you're seeing dust fall. <laughs> you know, people, people are like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? And these guys are just, and they say they took the tile off the roof of the house. And I would assume, you know, there's probably clay there and stuff like that. And so they, they dig a hole, and, and, and the, the dirt's falling on people. And so people are getting out of the way. And, it, you know, it's, it's got to be a big enough hole for a pallet or a thing that the guy lays on to get through there. So it's not this, like, little hole there. They probably made a three-by-three three hole or a four-by-four hole or something. They put a big old hole in Jesus' house. And they didn't care. And Jesus didn't yell, hey, stop that. So cool. Jesus knows the heart of all men. And so they lower him down. And Jesus is talking about all kinds of stuff. And maybe on the way down, maybe Jesus is talking about forgiveness. I don't know. Maybe seven feet up in there. I don't know. 
But maybe on the way down, Jesus is talking about forgiveness, and maybe this guy hears it. Because there's something really cool that happens in this story you don't talk about. So they, he's got to be on the floor. I'm sure they didn't suspend him in the air. He's got to be on the floor. And when Jesus sees him, and these guys are probably leaning over the side, you know, maybe, I don't know, these four guys are probably like, what's going on? Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. You know, they're just, you know, who knows what they're doing. But I think they're looking because Jesus says something really strange that he should not have said. Because why did they bring him there? To be healed, right? I mean, that's what they did. Jesus, we heard Jesus heal people. But Jesus looks there, I'm sure, at those four guys. And he says, your sins are forgiven. You're like, what? Everybody's going, you can't do that. You can't forgive nobody's sins. He didn't ask for forgiveness of sins. How can you ask for, how can you give forgiveness for sins if you didn't ask? That's what's going on. And Jesus wasn't supposed to do that. Because he needs to ask for forgiveness of sin. But Jesus knows the hearts of all men. And more than likely, when that guy was coming down, and whatever message he was hearing, because Jesus is it says Jesus was teaching the crowd. And so when he came down, maybe the message was you need to forgive yourself. That's a good message, by the way, because most of us don't want to forgive ourselves. We ain't even talk about forgiving somebody else. Most of us don't want to forgive ourselves for whatever thing. But he's on the ground, and he, he, he does it. And his friends are going, what? We didn't bring him all the way to tear a hole in the house and, and can't get in this. We didn't bring him there for him to tell, tell him that his sins is forgiven. We don't want nobody forgiving our sins. What are you talking about? We brought him here so that he could heal him, right? Because that's the first place we go. We don't let Jesus step inside of ourselves and say, you know what, you need, to, <laughs> you need to do something with your sin. Your sin is forgiven. That's, you know, we're like, no, Jesus, don't touch that. I got a broken arm. Fix my arm. But maybe the first step is to confess your sins and your faults one to another Amen. that you might be healed. Isn't that what it says? It doesn't say be healed and then confess your sins and your faults to one another. Maybe there's a lot of reasons why we don't see healing. I don't know. A lot of times we don't see healing because God just doesn't choose to heal. It's just that simple. He doesn't choose to. He has that right. It's his kingdom. He has that right. It's his will. That's his right. We don't have a right to debate that. But Jesus tells these guys... And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, not his faith only, but when Jesus saw their faith, all five of them, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Again, he's like, I ain't coming to get my sins forgiven. 
But I think he understood what Jesus was saying. He understood because I think on his way down, he experienced the love of God. And then they get in arguing the scribes and the Pharisees are all arguing about this because that was, that's the wrong order in which to do things. That's according to them. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And of course, we know the story. Jesus said, I'm God. I can forgive sin. I'm God. I'm God. I can forgive sin. I was thinking, how many times do I block Jesus for doing the unthinkable? How many times do I want him to skirt around my wretchedness? And I always say, it's okay to say you're wretched. You know why? Because you're wretched. <laughs> if Paul can say it, you can say it. He wrote it. Oh, I'm a child of God. I'm not wretched anymore. Yeah, you're wretched. Yeah, you're a sinner. You got this thing hovering over you called grace. The grace of God through Christ Jesus that covers our wretchedness. That takes away a fig leaf and puts on the lamb's covering. That's the way it is. You might not like it like that, but that's the way it is. There's an order to think. God's an orderly person, or orderly spirit, or orderly God. He does things by his orders, and he does them in an orderly way. And he will not deny himself. He can't deny himself. So they were shocked. And Jesus said, well, what's easier to do? What is easier to do? Say your sins are forgiven or pick up your pallet and walk? Which, which one's easier? I mean, pick up your, your sense of forgiveness. That's really easy to say, isn't it? Pick up your pallet and walk. That's a shocker <laughs> because you got to pick up your pallet. You got this things to do. You got to have faith. To, uh, you know, you've been laying in this pallet for who knows how many years, probably years. But get up and walk. Take up your pallet and go. The product of that was people were amazed. People were glorifying God. And, and Jesus didn't run out and say, hey, I did this. Here. I, didn't, I did this because we have the tendency to glorify ourselves. And, and, and that doesn't work. just doesn't work. Our, our, our challenge is to glorify God and die to ourselves. Dead men can't talk. Paul says, I die daily because he has to. I mean, here's this big brain dude. He's like brilliant. You know, he knows the scriptures like, he, he knew the scripture. And so Paul was the, was, the, was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was all these things. He'd go, oh, man, I got to die again today. Get up a dead man. Die today. Die today. Get up in the morning and die. Because if you get up in the morning and to die, you will spend the rest of the day living. But if you get up in the morning to live your own life, you're going to spend the rest of the day dying. That's how it works. 
If there's no other way for it to work, I'm out of time. <laughs> Listen, God is good. And he ain't trying to beat us up. No, he's trying to hold us up. He's trying to make whole people out of us. He's trying to give us the life that, that we, I ain't going to say deserve, but the life that we are allowed to have through Christ Jesus. You shouldn't be afraid to say, hey, I need some help. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I want to go out here and hurt somebody. We shouldn't be afraid to say that. That's, that's missing the mark. And we shouldn't be afraid to correct the, the direction of the arrow so it hits the mark. One last song, Daniel. Ryan's not, and his family is not going to be involved with this because they're going out the door right now. <laughs> so we have one last song, and it's 12 o'clock almost, and we're going to get you out of here at 12 because it's my birthday. <laughs> and my family's taking me out to somewhere. And I mustn't be late. God is a good God. And God loves us with the un deniable love and his love is never ending just like I believe that guy who was lowered on the pallet in his heart asked God to forgive him before he ever hit the ground you don't have to come up here to do that you can sit right in your chair and say God forgive me whatever it is or God work in this situation in my life you know that actually makes it easier for some people who are nervous about coming up and getting prayer because somebody might think ill of them well God doesn't think ill of you God is in love with you and so you can do all those things right on the pallet that you're sitting on and God can touch your heart because that's what he does. Pastor Ryan's going to close this time. <laughs> Such a good word, Pastor Greg. And I, I just don't want to, yeah. I want to make sure that, you know, it's 12. We're going to sing one last worship song. This is what we do. We close with the last worship song. As Pastor Greg said, I think he's right on. Stay where you're at. Ask the Lord. Begin today. It's a 40-day challenge. What do you want? God, what do you want to do with this message? What I just heard, what am I supposed to do with it? What do you want for my life? Is there something I need to confess? Something I need to walk away from? Something I need to be healed of? What do you want? So as the worship team is getting ready, would you just close your eyes? Holy Spirit, all of us in this room, there's a desire in each one of us to please you, to honor you. But what does that look like? Specifically, as Pastor Greg said, you're a practical God and you do things in an order. What do you want from me? Before I go tell the whole world anything, what do I need to tell you? What do I need to get right in my own personal life? What needs to be fixed internally before the externals change? Just as that paralytic, he did get his miracle. He did have something change. His circumstances changed. But before that happened, something internally changed. 
So God, I yield to you this morning. What needs to change inside of Ryan? What needs to change inside of me? Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I'm the clay. You're the maker. You're, you're the God of the universe. You get to do what you want, so I submit to you. My life is yours. You know, I'm going to say that. Just keep your eyes closed. Some of you, today we're celebrating Greg's birthday. I just really quick want to give an opportunity. Today can be your birthday. The day that you give your life to Jesus. The day that you say, internally, I want something to change. I'm just going to give a quick opportunity. If that's you, would you look up at me and just give me eye, eye contact so I know that today you're saying, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life and I want forgiveness. Amen. I'm looking around. Amen. 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 Several amens. Every amen was an eye looking at me. God, I thank you that today is the day of salvation. Today, right now, is the time of your favor where you are speaking your love. As Pastor Greg says, more than any physical healings recorded, it is your love, Jesus. It's your love that sets us free. It's your love that melts our hearts, as I read from Psalm 117. God, your love is what melts our hearts here today. So God, we choose to love you. We recognize that you loved us, that God so loved the world means you love me, that you gave your life for me. And I believe that right now. If you looked at me with your eyes, would you just make that your prayer? As we sing this song, just begin to talk to the Lord. God, I give you my life. What do you want from life? What does that look like for me to follow you? I'm willing right now to die to myself, to give up all rights to my own life and to follow you, whatever the cost. Because you love me, I will obey you. I will do whatever it takes and sacrifice and give up because I want to please you. I want to honor you. Whatever you want, I will do. My answer is yes before I even hear your answer. My answer is yes, God. Whatever you want, whatever you want, my answer is yes. So God, I thank you that on this day we are celebrating birthdays. It says in your scriptures, Lord, that when one sinner repents, that there are angels that celebrate, that sing and dance. There is joy in your house today over one sinner repenting. God, each one of us, we repent of our sins and we turn and follow you. May there be joy in your house today as we serve you and follow you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Would you just take this last song just to worship the Lord? Maybe you can kneel, you can sit, you can stand, you can do as Pastor Greg did. He sat, he stood, he walked around. Just worship the Lord in this last song and serve the Lord.